Hello and welcome to another episode of Subject Matter. It's great to have you tuning in. My name is Ben Bradbury and we have a fantastic interview here for you today. I am speaking to Rob Chestnut. We just wrapped the interview and I learned a ton from this guy. Rob is super interesting. He was most recently the chief ethics officer of Airbnb, small company, you've probably heard of it. And he took this role on after four years as their general counsel on their legal team. He previously founded eBay's North America legal team as well, where he founded the internet's first e-commerce person-to-person platform trust and safety team. He was the general counsel at Chegg for nearly six years, and he served 14 years with the US Justice Department, where he prosecuted CIA employee Aldrich Ames, I think I'm saying that right, for espionage. He is the author of Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. Rob was a wealth of knowledge on integrity and what it means for ambitious young professionals to get ahead by using integrity in the workplace. And we learned from his experiences at Airbnb. You'll also get an up-close and personal look at Airbnb's young CEO, Brian Chesky. Airbnb was Brian's first job and he is their CEO of this company that is now hiring, I think, thousands of people and obviously a household name across the world. Well, you'll learn the story behind why Brian was comfortable losing 1% of Airbnb's users. That's a lot of users and a lot of revenue because of something that didn't align with Airbnb's long-term purpose. Airbnb's long-term purpose is actually quite surprising. I didn't realize the thing that fueled the company. It's so much more than just money in their bank account and getting people into houses. There's a really deep purpose behind the company that Rob believes sets them apart from everyone else. And we'll also learn the problem with being smart. We get into this right at the start of the interview in a couple of minutes. There's a big problem with being intelligent and knowing what you know, and that is that it can actually lead you to lose more control than you might gain. There's a really interesting psychological dynamic at play there. So let's get into the interview. I hope you enjoy this very enriching conversation with Rob Chestnut. Rob, welcome to Subject Matter. It's great to have you here. Ben, thanks for having me. So you've previously used this pretty interesting phrase, which is the behavioral psychology of integrity and how we're programmed to act in our own self-interests. Can you talk about how this internal tug of war manifests in the workplace? You know, we are all programmed really as human beings to do that which is in our self-interest. It's normal, human, and the good news is that we all don't actually act on it all the time because there's some other uh, factor that goes on in our mind, and that is we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel that we're a good human being. We want to feel as though we've got integrity. So what's really interesting, Ben, is the smarter you are and the more creative you are, the more you are prone to do this because creative people are really good at coming up with great rationalizations about why what they're about to do is okay. We all struggle with this. You know, we, we all think we've got integrity. Often, it's a trade-off between doing something that will drive revenue to the company or help us hit a goal or a number that's important to the company. And even when that goal or hitting that goal 
may cause us, may, may require us even to do something that is unethical. And that's the struggle we go through. So you said something really interesting there, which is the more creative and smart someone is, the more easy it is for them to deceive themselves because you can create these rationalizations. I think a lot of people that are listening to subject matter, they're ambitious, they're on the career ladder, maybe they're managing a team, and they certainly perhaps know how intelligent they are. What are some of the checks and measures that they can be using to make sure that they are not deceiving themselves and that they are actually thinking clearly in this case? Ben, I think the best answer to that question is awareness of the potential to get off track. There's a principle, they talk about it in the military, called the Bathsheba principle. The more successful you are, the more you are drawn or tempted to believe that you can control any situation, that you can handle anything. Your past success emboldens you to do things that an average person might immediately recognize as problematic from an ethical perspective. But you've been successful. You've managed your way up the career ladder. You've, you've made some money. You're in a powerful position. And that success in that power you know, recognizing that it can also create a sense of entitlement and that it can blind you to, to what you're doing. I think having the conversation with yourself is important. You know, when I was the general counsel at Airbnb, what I did was I went around to all the leaders in the company once a year. And we had a, a meeting just one-on-one -on -one between the two of us on this topic. So all I would do in these meetings was pull up examples of where other leaders had failed. And having that conversation up front, I found was really powerful because when you have an awareness that you may go down that path and you may be talking yourself into things that you, you shouldn't be doing, I think having the awareness up front is probably the best preventative measure. It reminds me of a philosopher that I've been reading recently, Krishnamurti. He talks about this idea of order and disorder and that order in our lives doesn't spring from wanting order, but it comes from understanding disorder. It comes from having this awareness of the biases that we're prone to on an everyday basis. The other idea I'm reminded of there is when you talk about people becoming too prone to thinking they can control any situation as they become more successful or more powerful. It's this quote from Zero to One by Peter Thiel, where he says, the single greatest danger for any founder is to believe in their myths so much that they lose their own mind. And that's what we're kind of talking about here is that success can be a slippery slope. And in some cases, the reputation and the credibility that we get from this positive feedback from everyone else can actually be quite destabilizing because we stop listening to ourselves and we start listening to others. And that can be quite a dangerous position to be in when we're making these high level decisions. Now, you've spoken about before the idea that today's workers want more than a paycheck. They're not just satisfied going to a work that's going to give them a good salary. I think you've had an interesting exposure to this at all levels through your time with Airbnb, also your time with eBay, your time at Chegg and some other companies. From your experience, what do you think today's 
young, ambitious professionals are actually looking for from a prospective company? Uh, well, they want purpose. We all want purpose in our life. And I think we all recognize now that we spend so much time at work that if you're working at a job that does not have purpose, that resonates with you, then what are you doing? Look, workers want to work at a place that has values aligned with their own values. In the past, you know, look, when my dad went to work, when I was young, you'd go to work at a company and you were hoping to spend 30 years there and get your retirement checks one day there and a gold watch when, when you left. Now employees are far more mobile and they're working at companies an average of two or three years. Well, that mobility brings a lot of power. It means that if they, an employee is working at a place and they don't see the alignment of purpose and values, if they see things going on that they don't like, that don't resonate, they're not going to remain silent. They're going to start talking to each other over Slack, right? Or they'll be on the blind app or you know, something of that nature. They'll blog about it. They'll start downloading uh, copies of memos and uh, sending them to the press or organizing uh, employee walkouts. We are in an age now where workers feel empowered to demand something more from the place that they work. You know, the consequences, I think, for, for business are profound in this new world. Let's talk about some of these consequences then for having an organization that's purpose-driven. So in your mind, what does it look like for companies that are purpose-driven in a positive way, but then also companies that lack this? What is the potential opportunity cost that they might be sacrificing here? The most profound consequence of this whole movement is we have to rethink what it means to be a business. I think for decades, we've all been driven by a Milton Friedman look at what a business is. And that is a business exists solely to make money for its shareholders. That's it. The world, I think, has found that that notion is profoundly unsatisfying. That companies that are thinking about nothing but profit are, in fact, in a number of cases, creating a, a havoc with the world. Uh, you know, climate, take a look at climate change. You know, companies may be polluting rivers or you know, dumping carbon into the air and not caring about it because you know, fixing the problem would actually cost them money or doing business with a supplier on the other side of the world that mistreats its employees. Well, what employees want, I think, is a company that has a North Star or a purpose that excites them. And when they find it, what do we know? Well, these companies actually are making more money and are more successful than their competitors. It's mm. not a choice between doing right and doing business. There's actually now a correlation between the two. Companies that, that have this purpose attract employees. They retain employees. Those employees work harder. And it's more than just employees too, Ben. It's inter interesting. We, we live in an age now of conscious consumerism. It means that consumers now care about the values of the companies they are purchasing from. Consumers want to buy from a business that has values aligned with their own. Integrity has become a powerful double-edged sword. Get it wrong, it can wreck your personal brand and it can wreck your company. 
get it right. And it can drive your business through attracting an employee workforce that's really engaged and attracting customers that become really more than just customers. They become loyal ambassadors for your product because they believe in you as a company. I'd love to dig into an example that you shared with me last time we spoke on this principle of being North Star and purpose-oriented. And that was from Airbnb. And as you, you shared this, I realized that I think a lot of people don't understand what really drives Airbnb as a business and what is the purpose behind a lot of their international success now. Could you talk about the the purpose behind Airbnb and the the exposure that you had to hit being on the inside as part of their team? You know, when I first started looking at Airbnb before I joined the company, I thought Airbnb's purpose was to make money by improving efficiencies, take uh, advantage of underutilized resources, you know, space and the like. And certainly there's an element of that in, in, in Airbnb's success. But when you work at Airbnb, when you're in the hallways, uh, that's not what people talk about. Uh, you hear th- uh, one word a lot when you work at Airbnb, and that's belonging. Airbnb's mission is to promote belonging in the world. Airbnb wants to encourage a world where you get out from behind your computer screen, where you get out and experience the world. The old Mark Twain quote, that travel fights prejudice. Uh, it's true. And so what Airbnb wants to do is, I think, lower the barriers of prejudice and hate throughout the world by encouraging this sort of uh, immersive travel experience. Now, that is a powerful mission, you know, one that really excites employees and people who who use the website. And I think that's been an important element in the company's success. It really does show that the product that we might use every day with Airbnb is it serves at a higher purpose than just the money that they earn. It's a way of fostering belonging. Now, something that you've spoken about a couple of times that I know is a important theme of your book, Intentional Integrity, is that second word of integrity. And I'd like to zoom in on you for a second and understand what it was or who it was that inspired you to have such a strong sense of justice and the ability to work and live with integrity every day? Where did that fascination or influence of integrity on your character come from? It goes back to my mom. When I was young, I remember my mom uh, taking me into a grocery store. And when we were leaving the store in the parking lot, my mom looked down at the, the money, the cash in her hand. And she said, we've got to go back inside. And I didn't know what was going on. I would follow my mom back inside. And I remember my mom having a conversation with uh, the cashier. And I remember the cashier's expression. She was shocked and so grateful to my mom. And I asked my mom, mom, what's going on? And my mom told me that the woman had given her too much change. And my mom taught me that day, I think, through example, uh, this idea that you know, if something doesn't belong to you, you give it back. And you, you put that principle ahead of your own self-interest. And I remember thinking that day that I admired what my mom did because I saw the gratitude on the face of the store employee. And I made a pledge that if I were ever in that situation, I'd do the same thing. 
So in other words, uh, there was at that point uh, intentionality around a particular element of my personality at that point. And so I have done that. And in mm-hmm. fact, I've even done it with intentionality in, in front of my own kids. Leadership around integrity comes from the top. That is, at a company, if the leaders of a company have integrity, it's actually contagious because leaders are the thermostat for integrity at a company. A thermometer takes the temperature of a room. A thermostat sets it. And, you know, by their actions, leaders create the the temperature, the environment where everyone lives at a company. So if you have a leader stomping around saying, we've got to hit this number no matter what. I don't care how you get it done, just get it done. Well, that sort of uh, language encourages indirectly behavior that is unethical. Like In other words, we've got to get this done or I could lose my job. I, you know, Look at Wells Fargo. The Wells Fargo scandal was caused because leaders set unrealistic goals and threatened employees. I, I remember a phrase out of the Wells Fargo case where leaders would tell the employees that if they didn't hit the targets, they would be working at McDonald's the next week. Now, it's no wonder that Wells Fargo employees resorted to unethical tactics in order to to hit the goals, because that was the language that was used at the company at that time. On the other hand, I'll contrast that with the sort of language that Ben Horowitz used to use. You know, Ben Horowitz is famous Silicon Valley uh, entrepreneur and venture capitalist. When he was a CEO, he was well known for a particular habit. Every quarter, he would sit down physically with his CFO with the financials. And he would look at the CFO every quarter and say, is there anything in these numbers that makes you uncomfortable? Is there anything in here that you think is misleading? anything that you were pressured to do. Uh, Because Ben would say, we might miss a number and our stock price might go down, but we're not going to go to jail. Mm. And when leaders talk that way, that sets a very different tone than the sort of tone that was set at Wells Fargo. So I think for all of us, integrity is contagious. We are influenced by our surroundings. And those that we look up to, the leaders that we look up to, play a critical role in how we're going to act. What are some of the components that go into being able to integrate this integrity into a team and make sure that you're able to have the kind of conversations that Ben Horowitz was having, for example? I think the most important thing is you got to be willing to talk about integrity. You know, too often integrity is... It's a poster on the wall, right, with a pretty lake and a tree uh, or a sunset, or it's buried in a code of ethics somewhere. Mm. But leaders don't actually talk about mm. it. Uh, I think a lot of leaders feel like, well, you know, integrity is not really my job. You know, we're here to do business. We're not here for me to lecture on right and wrong. I disagree with that. I think integrity is a requirement, a job requirement of leadership. And people want to hear you talk about it. You know, at at Airbnb, we actually had an integrity program. We talked about integrity starting at the very first week of orientation. 
And when you do that, it sets a powerful tone and I think empowers people to think about things through the lens of right and wrong. Let's get into this concept of right and wrong. Right and wrong as ideas largely exist in our minds. We decide what is right or wrong. And when we're deciding what is right or wrong, that's a subjective judgment. Now, contrasting this, and you will know this far better than I do with your legal background, the law sets what they would say something is right and what is wrong, something that is legal and illegal. But sometimes these things come into conflict with each other. Sometimes you might have to be a rule breaker to lead with integrity and a sense of purpose. So how do you reconcile this difference in your head where sometimes doing the right thing that you believe is right may mean going against what someone else is right? How do you navigate those kind of situations? Integrity is very difficult to navigate. Now, there are some things, by the way, that I think are clear, you know, lying, cheating, and stealing. And those are things I think we could probably all agree where right and wrong is is clearly defined. But a lot of integrity is gray. You're, again, naturally tempted to do the thing that's in your self-interest, and then you're in a gray area. That's where you're going to go. My experience in this area is companies need a North Star, something that they stand for, for example, in the Airbnb area, that, that guides them through these difficult challenges. Yes, it's possible for two people with integrity to look at the same situation and come to different conclusions. That's okay. And integrity is also not about perfection. You may not always get it right. I think what it's about is engaging in the struggle, having a North Star, having a purpose, engaging in the struggle with the tough gray areas, you know, working and doing your best to, to come up with the right answer, and also having the self-awareness to realize you, know, you may have gotten it wrong and be able to admit making a mistake and then get back mm. on track again. That struggle, I think, is what matters. The idea that in- integrity has no role in business is what I think is clearly wrong. It does. And I, I think particularly in the 21st century, uh, you know, we, we talked at Airbnb about 21st century companies. In the 21st century company, I think it's actually critical to your business success to be thinking about these things, articulating the purpose and, and acting according to your North Star. Engaging in that struggle, I think, is now what people want businesses to do. So if we take integrity as our bedrock here, What are some of the other characteristics that you would say young, ambitious professionals need to arm themselves with in order to succeed professionally and personally? There are characteristics I see that I think go go hand in hand with integrity. And in fact, I think what they do is they actually help drive integrity. Things like uh, authenticity, self-awareness, empathy, transparency. Where I've seen leaders demonstrate integrity, those are qualities that I've seen that I believe the leaders have. There was one trait which you shared before, which I thought really kind of stuck out to me as something that isn't just something that you learn and you're done with, but is something that you carry through throughout your career and you build on and actually unlocks other opportunities for you. And that trait is curiosity. Can you speak a bit about why curiosity is important to you and how that helps 
professionals shape their character in the workforce? For so long, people thought that, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. Then I'm going to get out and then I'm going to know everything. And I'm going to get out in the workforce and start applying it. What I've learned is that the most successful people that I've been around are lifelong learners. They constantly recognize that they don't know everything. They demonstrate a genuine curiosity about the world around them. And I'll tell you, you know, I'll give Brian Chesky at Airbnb a lot of credit here. Brian's approach was, wow, I'm young. I've got a huge responsibility here uh, with this global company. And I've got a lot to learn from people in all walks of life. And I think Brian recognized that he can learn from different people and was, was constantly engaged in, in exploration with new ideas and new people. And I, I think having that curiosity not only, I think, makes you smarter because you're going to learn a lot if you've got curiosity. You're a good listener. It uh, reinforces humility. And by the way, it's a lot more fun to go through life that way. If you view life as a learning journey, you're always going to find new things and it keeps things fresh, as opposed to the approach where you feel like you've been successful, you've worked yourself up, you're a leader, and therefore you know everything. I think that's where you get yourself in trouble. Were there any other traits that Brian had or has that you think allows him to lead Airbnb in a particularly unique way? Brian's intense very focused, very driven. But I think those are qualities that you do find in a lot of other places. But I, I think one thing that, that Brian has that's a little bit different is Brian isn't impressed by or driven by money. Brian doesn't live and breathe today's stock price. Brian has a long-term focus. There's no doubt in my mind that Brian will always make decisions that he feels are the right decisions for the company's purpose, even if they might not necessarily be good for the stock price, in, at least in the short run. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Earlier in my tenure, there were reports online that guests were being discriminated against based on the color of their skin. There were stories online of people that were having trouble getting a room. Uh, there was a hashtag, Airbnb while black, uh, and people were writing in with stories. And then the lawsuits started coming in. Uh, regulators, you know, were calling. So I went off like any good general counsel and I did my legal research. What is Airbnb's legal responsibility if some of its hosts engage in this sort of bad behavior? And I remember going into the meeting with Brian and uh, I start to go through the law with him. And Brian holds up his hand, never forget this, and says, stop, I don't care. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you don't care? Brian said, you know, Rob, Airbnb is about belonging. Airbnb is about connecting people from different backgrounds and different cultures. And if this sort of thing is really happening on our website, I don't care what the law is. We have to fix it. So you go deal with the law, but it's a problem that we have no choice. We must fix it. And, you know, the, the company that embarked on, you know, a journey poured a lot of money into this problem. And I think as a result, it might not have looked good on the short-term financials. You know, we lost, I remember one thing, we required all users 
to take a non-discrimination pledge, an explicit non-discrimination pledge when they were going through the, the flow on our website. And I remember we asked Brian, well, you know, what happens if somebody hits the I don't agree button? And Brian said, well, then they can't use the website. And that was it. We lost 1% of our users in a two-week period, gone, just like that. And Brian said, I don't care. Because I think he wow. felt that, that, look, this is a long-term journey. We were going to make decisions not based on what was going to make a number look good for this quarter, but we were going to make decisions that were consistent with the company's North Star. And there was a fundamental belief that ultimately in the long run, that would be good for the company. But that almost wasn't, that wasn't the reason. The reason is we were going to be true to our North Star. And I think one thing that's unique about Brian is he certainly cares about the numbers and wants the company to be successful because that's, you know, being used and having users who use the website is consistent with the mission. But mm. it's not about hitting a number for a number's sake, nor is it about hitting a number to drive up the stock price and add more money to the coffers. It really is about being true to what you stand for as a company. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I am really, really blown away, actually, by his commitment there to losing 1% of Airbnb's users, maybe even more of that in, in revenue, and saying, no, this is what we stand for as a company. That really kind of brings back full circle to leading by example. That is leading with integrity on the front lines. And I think gives us a, a really... Uh, really fulfilling note to wrap this interview up with. Rob, this has been a ton of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. If our audience want to keep up with you and learn more about you and your ideas, where can they go online and follow your journey? They can pick up a copy of my book. It's called Intentional Integrity and it's available at bookstores everywhere. Um, they can also go to www.intentionalintegrity.com where there's more information. And they can go to LinkedIn. Uh, I usually do a post about integrity in business several times a week and would welcome all of your, your listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn and follow along on the journey. Fantastic. Rob, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want more insights to help you get ahead personally and professionally, make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our latest content. It makes a big difference in helping our content get discovered, and so I'd really appreciate it too. If you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, I'd love to hear them. You can drop us a comment on YouTube or message me directly on Twitter. My handle is at Ben Bradbury underscore. I'll see you next time.